0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere
1: post-winter meetings edition. Hello, everyone. I'm Allison Footer from MLB.com. And now that the winter meetings are over, I'm sitting here actually looking directly at Thomas Harding from our offices in Chelsea and New York. Um, and Thomas Harding, how are you, Thomas? I feel good. I feel clean. And we are just sights for sore eyes sitting here, aren't we? Are We are. Um, so let's go over a little bit. I mean, you know, the winter meetings were not... Um, not a huge time for the Rockies, but then again, they did sign two relievers and Mark Reynolds. Uh, So he's 32 years old and they signed him to a one-year deal for $2.6 million, which is a pretty reasonable contract. So he seems to be a guy who might be uh, uh, fitting in here and there. Where does the team see him fitting?
0: Yeah, that's a... That's a good point. I mean, they had Willeen Rosario in the same role last year where a part-time right-handed hitting first baseman and hopefully a big bat off the bench. So they'll have him and they'll also have Ben Paulson. Paulson's a left-handed hitter, younger fellow, looks like he's an up-and-comer, but it gives some protection in case Paulson takes a step back, and it also allows Weiss to play the hot hand. He's not a big guy in the right-left matchups, but he loves to play the hot hand, so if one of them is doing well, you'll see him start against everybody, and uh, and if the other is um, struggling but can come off the bench and deliver a big hit late in the game, that's what he'll do with it.
1: And it's kind of nice that he got a little endorsement from Matt Holliday, a former Rocky who... Um, said glowing things about the organization. So it's not like, I mean, look, anywhere in the big leagues is a good place to be, right? But it was nice to have um, him say some nice things about the Rockies.
0: Well, Yeah, he said some nice things about the Rockies and the organization. I'm sure the ownership... Um, the strange thing about it, the Rockies haven't won a lot, but there was that special time in 2007, 2007 to 10, where a lot of players who played here, they really love it. They would love to come back. They always talk about being in Denver. Denver's a great place to be. It's just that since 2010, it hasn't been a great place to win baseball games, and that's the big thing. But if they're able to put together something where they win, they have a lot of guys come up in the organization together, and other guys come in that like the place, it could be a great place to um, continue your career, but the question is, are they going to win some games?
1: Yeah, and let's—I mean, let's talk realistically and how the front office is viewing this, because you know it's kind of funny if you. If you, t- if you talk to people who are really entrenched in baseball, and they'll say, if they can look at a 10-year period and they can have three playoff appearances or four playoff appearances, that would make them all very happy to know that that was definitely going to happen. Now, that is not what they can uh, sell to their fan base. So they can't sit there and say, between now and 2025, we're going to have three postseason appearances. You know, that doesn't work, obviously, when trying to sell tickets. But realistically, teams understand how this stuff works. The front office going into 2016... Perhaps they understand that maybe this would be a little bit of more of a transitional year than a year where there's an urgency to win. Would you say that's true? Yeah,
0: I would say so, especially if you look at the roster and look at what they've done, like when they traded Tulewitzki and, and got in Jeff Hoffman, uh, an up-and-coming starting pitcher. It looks like if they make a deal for another pitcher, they're going to use one of their outfielders. A lot of people don't want to see Carlos Gonzalez go, but he may be the price to pay. And they'll probably get a similar picture to that. And they have John Gray, of course Eddie Butler struggled a bit at the top of at the top of his minor league to major league transition. They have Chad Bettis who um, pitched very well last year. You can see a st- A young staff that's coming together right now, and it may take a year or so um, at Coors Field to really get them all situated in the major leagues. Maybe all of them won't make it at the same time. But if they're able to do that, get a bunch of young arms together, then maybe 2016 is not the year, but very soon after that, especially with some of the position players that are coming up, they can open a window for themselves.
1: So I am reading all of your coverage, and now I am like – Who am I going to pay a lot of attention to in the upcoming season? And the answer is Chad Bettis. I am all on board. This is like a big year for him. And this could really be a defining time for not only him, but for which direction the organization is going to go in, uh, just from a pitching standpoint. So talk about just where he's been since mid-2014 and where he'd like to be at the end of the season.
0: Well, Chad Bettis, when he was drafted in the second round out of Texas Tech, he was a fast riser through the organization. Then there was one year that he lost to some shoulder issues. Never was, there never was surgery. Then he comes back. He's pitching very well at the AA level, and everything implodes at the major league level, as often happens with the starting rotation. So they call him up as a starter, pull him out of AA. He's not really ready. He struggles a bit. Then they decide, well, this guy throws hard. He did some relieving at Texas Tech, so they made him a reliever in part of 2013 and all throughout 2014, and it just didn't fit him at all. Um, So when they were sending him down during the 2014 season, um, Walt Weiss called him into the office, and Weiss was like, something isn't adding up. And Bettis, who did everything they asked him to do, finally just let it out. I'm a starter. Let me be a starter. So So they sent him down. They worked on some mechanical issues that were robbing him of power, robbing him of location. And suddenly last season when they called him up, this guy was the best pitcher that they had. I'm right there with Jorge De La Rosa. But the other thing is he's coming up with some of the guys, some, some of the really good young pitchers, and they see him as a little bit of a leader. And at, toward the end of the regular season, I started talking to people in the clubhouse, and when Nick Hundley said, well, you know, it would be nice to go out and get that proven pitcher, but we have a leader in here. And I'm like, who? Chad Bettis. And he goes on to explain that the way the guy works, he's a good example for everybody. And it took me back a few years where you saw Jeff Francis and Aaron Cook. And before them, Jason Jennings, who was traded before they made it big. But really, Jason Jennings was a very good pitcher here. And if he's that type of guy, then maybe they don't need to go out and spend $200 million on someone else.